Come, Holy Spirit, and touch my lips. Come, Holy Spirit, and illuminate our minds. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill our hearts with love for you. Amen. Please do be seated. It's probably a little bit difficult for you all to see, but um, my stole for Advent, and Lent, actually, um, has... um, moon and stars upon it and when it goes together you get this sort of rushing pinks and purples and silvers it's to signify obviously the creator god but also that sense that the heavens and the earth shall pass away and what do they pass away to they pass away to God, to Jesus Christ, to Lord of all righteousness, as Jeremiah calls him, to the cross, to the darkness, to the awfulness, to the horror. But we know the ending, or maybe the beginning of that story on Easter Sunday, with resurrection. I hear you say, but hang on a minute. It's Advent. We're looking towards Christmas. We're not talking about Easter. And yet, how many times have we said, or I have said down through the years, the two are intrinsically linked. You can't have Christmas without Easter. You can't have death without resurrection. And today, our Gospel reading sets us very firmly in the darkness. Heaven and earth will pass away. I'm sure, like many of you, I've been trying to watch uh, Brian Cox's series on the universe, where he explains how stars are formed, but also how stars die. And our star, the sun, is no less the same as any other star in the universe. One day it will die. Remarkably, our planet is just the right distance away from the sun so that we get light and warmth. And because it goes around, then all of us get light and warmth, different parts of our planet. Extraordinary that in this galaxy of the Milky Way where our planet sits, in the midst of all these billions and billions and billions of stars and other planets that we're only just beginning to realize are there, our planet is just exactly the right distance from the sun. But Jesus never steps away from saying there will be a new earth and a new heaven. That's the promise. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. The resurrection will never pass away. It would be easy, wouldn't it, to Look at this gospel reading. Distress among nations. C 
seen a lot of that this week, haven't we? Especially between France and the UK, perhaps. Confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. Storms over the last few days. But also those crossing our seas and dying to do so. Very confusing. People fainting from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world with a new variant of coronavirus. Just as we thought, perhaps, that we were seeing a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, we now take another deep breath and sit still and wait for the scientists to come back with whatever they come back with. In the meantime, masks are definitely back on. That's not the only thing that is bringing fear and foreboding. The powers of the heavens will be shaken. Stars, moon, all of those things will look different. We could, very definitely, sit here in fear and foreboding. We could sit in the darkness of all that the world looks like at the moment. We could tear our garments and pull out our hair if we've got any left. And we could say, that's it, I'm giving up. I can't do this anymore. I'm too tired. Life is too hard. It's all too dark. then haven't people down through the ages seen all of those things too? Sure, if you were somebody in the First World War, you would have thought all of those things were coming to pass. Or the Second World War. And as we go back in time, if you were somebody who was very poor in Victorian times, being taken into the workhouse, you would have thought all of those things were coming upon you. If we go back even 550 years or so to the reformation of the church, to watching people being burnt at the stake, like Bishop Hooper in St Mary's Square, you would have thought all of this was coming true. You go even right back to the 600s and the 700s, what we call the Dark Ages, because there was no, apparently, no culture, no religion that we know of. It's called the Dark Ages because there wasn't very much written about it, so we don't actually know very much about it. And then you go further back to that, this city, Gleevem, an outpost of the Roman Empire. And you come to Jesus' time, where the Romans were also ruling Judea. A people who were ruled over, who didn't have the freedoms, who were 
oppressed by the Romans. That's why you have people like Barabbas who were fighting to have something different in their life. They were the rebellion against the Romans. And they fought with knives, with swords, and physically. Jesus was the rebellion against the whole world. He didn't ever pick up a weapon. And this is Jesus talking to his disciples just before his death and then his resurrection. Think of that story. Think of the Easter story. Think of Good Friday just for a moment. There will be signs in the sun, the moon and the stars. What happens on Good Friday? The earth shakes. It gets dark at three o'clock in the afternoon. There's an eclipse. There are signs in the sun and the moon and the stars. On the earth, distress among nations. There was distress between the Roman Empire and the Jewish people. And there was distress across many other countries and nations at that time. People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world, for the powers of the heaven will be shaken. People lived their lives in fear and in darkness. They lived them in fear of the law that was put upon them by the temple authorities, and they were lived in fear of the Romans who taxed them to within an inch of their life. And because many of the Jewish people were also tax collectors, they lived in fear of one another in their own community. Who was going to report who? Perhaps we have forgotten that during the first lockdown, and perhaps mostly during the second one, neighbour reported neighbour for breaking the rules. Actually, not a lot has changed, has it, really, when you look at the Gospels. But this particular moment in time is Jesus talking to the disciples and saying, your redemption is drawing near. Stand up and raise your heads. Your redemption is drawing near. Yes, all these things are going to happen. Yes, it's going to fill you with fear and foreboding. Yes, it will look like darkness. It will not look like the hope and the love that I've been preaching to you for the last three years, says Jesus. It will look really rubbish. But when you see all those signs, it's a little bit like when we watch for spring. We're now going into the winter and we see all the signs of winter, the leaves falling off and the cold coming, coats coming out. We see the signs of Christmas too, the lights up and the keys full of people. But Jesus is saying to them, when you see all of these signs, this is when the kingdom of God is drawing near. Your redemption is here, is coming. And their redemption did come, has come 
is come. And that's the whole point of this, is to say, actually, your redemption came on Good Friday and Easter Sunday. We've just sung, rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to us. Emmanuel means God with us. Jesus, God with us. God is with them in that moment. Good Friday and Easter Sunday are the signs that they are to look for, that God has come near. Their redemption is here. Their salvation, that's what redemption means. Their their new beginning, their new start. You're redeemed, you start again. You are one of the family of God, the children of God. There is nothing more for you to do, for Jesus has done it all. So why do we have Advent then? What's that about? Surely it's nearly Christmas. I know people who've had their Christmas trees up since the 1st of November. That's entirely up to them, but I would be going slightly mad by now if that was the case. And I was always a really mean mother as well. So it wasn't until the last day of term that we put our Christmas tree up, which sometimes meant that our Christmas tree only went up three days before Christmas. But surprisingly, both my children still put up their Christmas tree just two or three days before Christmas. Well, we don't want it there before, Mum, because it doesn't help us to think about it. Advent is a time for thinking, for watching and waiting, watching for those signs, the signs that, like on the fig tree, of God's presence. Advent is a time for trying to make a clearing effectively and saying, actually, I'm not going to get caught up with all the stuff in the keys. I'm not going to get caught up with the rushing around. I'm going to make a clearing so that I can stand still or sit still just for a moment or two more than I would usually do. And actually, as hard as it is, and it is hard, Advent is about sitting with the darkness, sitting with the pain and the agony of the world, sitting with our fears and our foreboding, but knowing that our redemption is already here in Jesus Christ. Yes, the world is dark and awful. But, as Jeremiah says, the Lord is our righteousness. And as St. Paul writes to the Thessalonians, praying that they may come to know what it is to be in holiness. And both of those words mean in right relationship. Right relationship with God with the person of Jesus Christ, who is our redemption and who draws near. Just imagine for a moment, what does that mean for you? What does it mean to have Jesus draw near to you, your redeemer? A 
the person who died on the cross and rose again for you and for me, what does it mean for him to draw near to you? Perhaps as we go through Advent, you can think about that question. What does it mean for Jesus to draw near to you? And what signs will you see when he is drawing near? One of the weeks on the 30-day exercises that I did in August, you have to go through a whole other Holy Week. I don't ever recommend doing two Holy Weeks in one year. The emotional roller coaster is a little bit too much. It's the third week. It comes on the 21st day. So you do the 21st to the 26th day, our Holy Week and Easter Day. And you go really, really deeply into prayerful exercises around all of the story of Easter. My spiritual director said to me on the first day, she said, you're going to find this really tough because for the first 20 days, you go quite deeply into the rest of Jesus' life. She said, you're going to find this really tough because you have entered so deeply into these exercises. She said, it's going to be dark and there's going to be grief. But I'm asking you to sit with it, to stay with it, to wait. Because you will see signs in the waiting and the watching of God with you. And so, off I went. And yes, it was really, really tough. But on the first day I started that, those exercises around Holy Week and Easter, another retreat came into the retreat house. And there was a lady there an older lady who wore a blue cardigan and she came to be to me the lady with the blue cardigan because we were both in silence so we couldn't speak about anything couldn't even tell one another our names and every time I went to the chapel to pray she was there every time I was in the garden she suddenly appeared from behind a bush or um, up the steps every time I went to have a meal she was always there and even on the day where the main chapel was cleaned and we had to go and find different places to pray, she happened to be in the place where I was praying. So, whilst we couldn't speak to one another, we were praying alongside one another on a similar journey, maybe. I don't know. The point was that we were in that space praying together. On the last day of her retreat, I thought, I'll write her a card to say thank you for having been my companion in these times. So I did. And I went to the chapel, and lo and behold, she was there, the lady in the blue cardigan. And I waited for her to finish her prayers. And then I went up to her and I said, I'm really sorry, I know I'm not supposed to be talking, this is really quick. I've just written you a card to say thank you for being my silent companion in this week. It's been 
really important to me. Anyway, she broke the silence, <laughs> told me that she was a nun from Liverpool. She was on retreat, and um, we had a bit of a chat about what we were doing, and right at the end I said to her, I don't even know your name, but thank you. And she said to me, oh, that's okay. My name is Emmanuel. I have to say, I nearly looked for her wings on the back. Because for me, that was a sign like the fig tree of Jesus drawing near. That in the toughest week that I went through in those exercises, where all sorts of things the darkness and the grief of life and the world and everything broke open. This lady had accompanied me and her name was Emmanuel, God with us. And it was a sign to me that however dark, however rough, however upside down the life is, God will always be alongside us. Because our redemption has drawn near in Jesus Christ. So during this Advent, watch and wait in the darkness, but look for the signs of God with us. So that on Christmas Day, we can rejoice in Emmanuel, God with us. Amen.